just to see so many boys and girls and young people going out to kids' church. Um, that represents a great future um, for all that we're believing for. This morning um, is our final message on this autumn series called Jesus Followers. And um, if you've got a Bible this morning, I want to take your attention to Romans chapter 12. Uh, The words will come up on the screen as well. Romans chapter 12, and um, I'll read them out in a moment or two. Just 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 before I do that, I want to just read the few verses before that. It doesn't matter if they don't come up on the screen. But in Romans, um, the first 11 chapters are very much speaking about what God has done in us. All the depths, and it it ends up with what we call a doxology, a, 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 a prayer of praise. All the depths of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever... Uh, given to God the, that God should be paid them. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, chapter 12, verse 1. Thank you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual Acts of worship or your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Over the last six Sundays, uh, number seven being today, we've been looking at this challenging theme that is so appropriate to people that really do want to make Jesus the center of their lives in, in some aspects of what it means to be a Jesus follower. In week one, we looked at the call uh, of, John, uh, of, uh, of Jesus over Philip saying, come and follow me and some of the implications of that. And then we've taken a few aspects of what it means to be a Jesus follower. So a follower in the marketplace, a follower in our personal morality, a follower in obedience, in humility. And last week, Christian reminded us of what it meant to be a follower in our worship, that God comes first. And it seems appropriate on Remembrance Sunday that we conclude the messages this morning by reminding ourselves, refreshing ourselves and undoubtedly challenging ourselves of what it means to be a Jesus follower in sacrifice. That definition of sacrifice that we read about here means an offering, a devotion, a surrender, a giving up, even to incur loss. And there's a sense that when we lose our lives in Christ, that's when we really find them. It's an appropriate, as I say, way to think about this. And on this special Sunday uh, as Christians, as leaders, as we've gathered together, we don't glory in war and conflict, but we do most certainly glorify uh, glory in sacrifice. And in a human sense, uh, we glory in all those that have given themselves so that in freedom this morning, despite all the challenges that we face in our nation, we can still gather freely to worship the Lord this morning 
and to give him praise. And at the very heart of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension and ongoing ministry is the thought of sacrifice. I get concerned in these days because I think particularly in a Western, materially prosperous world, that many Christians have signed up for a sacrifice-less faith journey. Uh, They've actually not pushed against being conformed to the world. They've done the very opposite and are conformed to the pattern of this age. They've conformed to its its comforts, its materialism, its entitlement, and its temporiness. And perhaps even more startling at times, they've used the Bible to justify all that. God's not going to ask his friends to go that journey. I believe the heart of God is that at the very essence of what he's called us to do is to live sacrificially. To do otherwise brings a consequence. It means a lot of sin, a lot of self, and a lot of shallowness. Let me quote a great 20th century prophet, A.W. Tozer, who said these words. He said, the weakness of many modern-day Christians is that they feel too much at home in this world. This world's going to pass away, and so are you and I. We don't know when that is, but how we live in this world determines how we serve in the next. He went on to say, sacrifice is the single simple price to pay for a fulfilling life. Respectfully, this morning, I get a little amused if I can use that word occasionally, when I'm watching the TV news and I see a teary-eyed mum, girlfriend or wife waving off their serving soldier to conflict. They signed up for a military career, but now they're confronted with the reality of war. We didn't expect it to come to this. The reality is that we like to surround ourselves as Christians sometimes with some of the more cosy and comfortable descriptions of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We are in a body. We thank God for that. We are in an amazing family. We thank God for that. But he's called us also to be part of an army that fights the good fights of faith. When I read the Gospels, I find Jesus again and again and again making no compromise in his call for people to follow him. So let me quote a few words of Jesus as we're thinking about that this morning. From Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, or his children, or his brothers or sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, clearly, it's one of those words that we find in the English that has numbers of understandings in the original language of the New Testament. And it's certainly not using the word hate in the way that we would define it in our own minds. The Spirit-filled Bible says this. He says those verses are hyperbole. They're exaggeration, but they seek to get across the point of our first allegiance. And our first allegiance is to Jesus. That subordinate call means that all other relationships become behind him first. Our loyalty is to the Lord, which inevitably means living a spirit of sacrifice. I want to give you three things this morning that define following Jesus sacrificially. Number one, the foundation for sacrifice. I want you to listen carefully. You may be a visitor to the church. You may be a first-time attender. You may be thinking, well, I couldn't possibly get to God. And by the way, how is anybody else if you're asking me simply to do it in my own efforts? I want you to hear carefully. 
This is not a call for any of us to get to God in Jesus by our own sacrificial efforts. The potential of that being religious, legalistic, and futile is huge. No, here's the truth this morning. We can live out for God sacrificially because the ultimate sacrifice has already been paid. I chose deliberately those verses from Romans this morning because if you get time and read the first 11 chapters, chapters that have exercised theologians and Bible commentators over the history of time, you'll find three things that come out of those initial chapters. Number one, the thought of sin. Not a popular word to be used today, but it simply means to miss the mark. And the Bible makes an unequivocal statement to say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So human race, we have a problem. A holy God separated from a sinful people, however is that going to be bridged? But the second thought is thankfully that the writer to the Romans doesn't leave it there. He goes from sin to salvation. And salvation really is speaking about being rescued. So sometimes even in everyday language, you you may hear of somebody being plucked out of a collapsed building or plucked out of a, a choppy sea, and they will talk about that person being my salvation. Well, as heroic as those deeds are to save one, here's the truth as we've already been reminded in our worship this morning. Jesus Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, came to this world as a servant and gave his life unto death and rose again the third day so that he wasn't just the salvation of one, but the salvation of the world. Here's the truth. If you had been the only one that needed being saving, he would have come. Because he so loves every individual person. So we move from sin to being saved from sin. And the third word that takes us into those initial chapters of Romans is sanctification. It's a long Bible word, but it simply means to be made holy. In other words, when we get saved, that's just the start. God loves us, but as someone once reminded us, he loves us far too much to leave us like that. And so sanctification is an ongoing lifetime process of Jesus shaping us, molding us, refining us, developing us, and using us. One of the reasons that we gather regularly together is to declare the good news of Jesus and give the Lord by his spirit and through his word another opportunity to make us a little bit more like him. So we're in sin, lost, undone, broken, and far from God. He comes to say, I want to save you. I want to be your salvation. It's not complicated. We acknowledge that we've done wrong. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We confess with our mouth that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. And then we commit to this amazing, ongoing, sanctifying journey of Jesus shaping us, changing us, dealing with us, and making us all that he's called us to be to prepare us for the most important thing that is not this world, but it's the next. It's not the temporary, but it's the eternal. It's not the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom that rules and reigns forever. Then we come to chapter 12. Therefore, therefore, in the light of all of that, we offer our lives as a spiritual, holy sacrifice to him. 
Please hear me this morning. I'm not asking you to curl yourself up in a ball and try a bit harder. I'm not asking you, we're not asking you to try and be more holy in your own strength. It's hopeless. You'll never do it. What we're saying this morning is the foundation for sacrificial living begins with the sacrifice for the world. In other words, a relationship with Jesus Christ. The more that relationship gets deeper, the more that relationship becomes embedded in our lives, the more we're able to respond to the therefore of presenting our lives as a living sacrifice to him. True followers are always defined by the example of Jesus. And Jesus said, Lord, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. What was it? It was the cup of sacrifice. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I encourage you this morning, and in a few moments, Christian's going to give an opportunity to respond, that if you have never stepped in to the person called Jesus, the foundation for everything we're talking about this morning, I want to encourage you today to make that decision to become a Jesus follower alongside dozens of people in this room. Number two, the illustration of sacrifice. There's an extraordinary common thread that goes through scripture, history, and even into the present that leaves us in no doubt that sacrificial living leaves its mark. Let me just reference the Bible for a moment. I'll do it briefly. But in the Bible, there are so many, so many uh, illustrations of wonderful sacrificial living. I was impacted again by reading Hebrews 11. Many of you will know that it's what we call the roll call of faith. And so I read about Abraham, who sacrificially faced upheaval, moving from opulence and affluence and from a city in the north to go to a place, and he didn't even know where he was going, but he moved out in God's. They say to us that moving house is one of the most stressful things you can do in life, and some of you have been like that. Alison has been trying to move house this autumn, and uh, you know, you, you get within two days of signing the deal, then the guy says, actually, I've changed my mind. Um, you know, that, that can be a sort of real sort of issue. Um, and they're on the journey again, having to go through all that sort of emotional sort of stuff again of, is this person going to sign? But moving house, imagine moving house and saying to God, well, where am I going to live? He said, well, you just move out and I'll show you. The sacrifice of upheaval. What about Noah? The sacrifice of ridicule. Um, in the sense that the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. Now we get plenty of rain. But imagine being the first person to forecast rain when it's never rained in the earth. And imagine people shouting you down and thinking that you'd lost it. He faced all of that sacrificially and one day the rains came and the door of the ark closed and God did what he said he would do. What about Moses? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that Moses, rather than enjoying the comforts of the palace, suffered the reproach of his people. What about the others? Not even got a name, but the Bible says they were persecuted, opposed, imprisoned, and destitute. And the reality is across the earth today, friends, there are others that believe the same gospel as us, that want to worship in the same way as us, but many of them, over 70 nations in the earth, where religious freedom in some way or another is impeded simply for people believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're in the earth today. They are living sacrificially. All these people... We're not derided for getting something wrong. But the Bible says as we come to the end of Hebrews, they were commended for their faith. 
So sacrifice illustratively in the Bible, but what about in history? A good friend and colleague of mine once said, you cannot be missional without being sacrificial. It's true. Brother Andrew, who some of you may have read about in the past, he became known as God's smuggler, a Dutch evangelical believer that had a passion to take Bibles into Eastern Europe. We've got a generation growing up now that would never understand anything about the Cold War, the Iron Curtain, the East and West conflict. But those of us who are a bit older can still remember that. We can remember people praying that there'd be change. And in 1989, I got up one morning and turned the news on and there was a guy on top of the Berlin Wall taking his little chip out of it and everything changed because God is sovereign. But here's a man that says, I'm passionate to take Bibles into what were then Eastern European nations. And he said these words, he says, no door is closed to the gospel, providing that once you've gone through it, you're not bothered where you get out again. He had to face that question many, many times, and God was wonderfully with him. I'm no scholar of church history. Suffice to say that I love and I'm inspired about reading of the past because sacrificial living always speaks into my heart with regard to the present. Let me give you three of my heroes that speak to me of being Jesus followers in sacrifice. Number one, C.T. Stood, 1860 to 1935. An aristocratic background, international sportsman. In today's terms, he would probably be earning crazy money like some of these guys do. He gave all his wealth away for the cause of mission in Africa and China. And today, there's still a Bible college in North London called the World Evangelization Campus, WEC. And the motto still today of that college, which was the words of C.T. Studd, if Jesus Christ be God and gave himself for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Hudson Taylor, 1832 to 1905, a son of Barnsley, the same Yorkshire, South Yorkshire town as Sharon. And at 22 years of age, 22, he sailed out, leaving his parents to China because he was passionate about reaching the Chinese people. He ultimately founded the Chinese Inland Mission and 50 years later, there were 130,000 believers, 852 other missionaries answered the call, and 200 mission stations were established. Taylor said these words, China will not be one for Christ by ease-loving people. The stamp of men and women we need is such that it will put Jesus, China, and souls first and foremost in everything and at every time. Even life itself must be secondary. No wonder he apostolically broke open that nation where missiologists tell us today, conservatively, there are over 50 million Chinese people that are Christ-loving and Christ-following. He was the one that coined the phrase, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And what about Jim Elliott, 1927 to 1956? Yes, 28 years of age, a U.S. missionary that along with his wife and other friends went to reach out to the Orca Indians a cannibalistic tribe in North Ecuador. And one day, that tribe, unable to understand what was taking place, martyred Jim Elliot for the faith. Interestingly, his wife Elizabeth just recently gone to glory. And Jim Elliot says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So scripture, history, and what about present? Just a few weeks ago, I was at a missions forum. It wasn't brilliantly well attended, but it was so worth going to. It was about how to reach ethnic groups 
in the UK today. And as one of my colleagues again said uh, a couple of years ago at our Area Leadership Day, everything in our world is changing. And it really is. And so I began to listen to Tony Udden, who for the last 20 years has led a Christian fellowship in Tower Hamlets, which is one of the most deprived boroughs, not only in the, great, in the city of London, but also in our nation. It sits incongruously a mile away from the city, where tomorrow people will be dealing in millions and millions of pounds. And a mile away, there's people that have barely got enough food to eat. And Tony began to speak about this 20-year journey. A man that's under the radar, an unsung hero, an amazing expression of sacrificial living. And then he talked about one of the elders in his church, a chief medic in one of the top hospitals in London that lives on the worst estate in Tower Hamlets, not because he has to, but because he's called to. Sacrificially living out the purposes of God. And so a foundation for sacrifice, an illustration of sacrifice, and thirdly, as I close, a dedication to sacrifice. I therefore urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Forgive me for using this phrase again, and forgive me if it's slightly mischievous or impish, but there's been many times on the door of a church when somebody has looked at me uh, furrowed-browed, skewed-eyed, and said, you know what, Phil? The worship could have gone on this morning. And I'm not sure how long it's supposed to go on. Is it quarter past 12, half past quarter one, quarter past one? Or, you know, I don't know. And I understand that sometimes God can break in in such a way that nobody can move. But the idea being that we need to be around a bit more. We need, God can't do it in 90 minutes, but he can do it in 120. And so it goes on and on. The reality is this, I've come to realize that if we don't understand that the worship always goes on, we don't understand worship. Because whilst the songs this morning have been amazing, whilst we've lifted our heart to God and hear me, we need to do that. There is a power in praise and worship and singing. If you don't understand this morning that this meeting is set up for you to go through the doors, to live out your spiritual act of worship tomorrow in the hospital, in the office, in the shop, on the school run, then somehow you've missed worship. You defined it by singing and not sacrificial living. This is our spiritual act of worship. And so, a dedication to sacrifice. And briefly, it's captured in the teachings that Christian and Stephen and myself have sought to bring in the last few weeks. It's captured by sensitivity for people to hear this morning the follow me call from Jesus. It's captured by bravery that will live out our faith in our worlds. That blasphemous office, that... Uh, that uh, situation tomorrow, where they're going to say to you, so what did you do yesterday? And it would be so tempting just to say, oh. but tomorrow you're going to take a big gulp. And so I was in the house of God, worshipping the living Jesus. The availability that walks an obedient walk, the purity that takes a different moral route to that that's lived by most. The humility that gives away to forgo our resource and deploy it to the good of others. The priority that says, Jesus, you're first in our lives because we truly worship you. The prayer of Marine Church, friends, is exactly, exactly that. I prayed this prayer many times and I 
was thinking this morning, it's still fresh in my mind for over 40 years ago, uh, when I met Sharon at, at a Christian conference. And three days after we'd been gone out together, we went into an amazing youth meeting where, interestingly, Herbert Harrison spoke on Romans 12, 1 to 2. And as two naive 20-year-old kids, we walked back from the camp and said, Jesus, whatever it costs, we'll follow you. It's cost us. It still is. I wonder if you've ever prayed that prayer. I'm not praying the price for my salvation because I was already established in that. But whatever it means to follow Jesus that will take that route, it's impossible to be missional without being sacrificial. So let me take you back to Romans 12 as we close. But this time with an abbreviated version of the verses in the Message Bible. And it says these words. Take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attitudes on God. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I don't know whether any of you have been to the National Memorial Arboretum just down the A38 between Burton and Litchfield. If you've never been, I'd encourage you to go and have half a day. You realize that that memorial is particularly for people that have given their lives in the service of our nation since the end of the last world war. And of course, as we think of the great wars, then the the figures, the people that died were stratospheric. The people that died in one day in the Battle of the Somme 100 years ago were mind-boggling. But here's the truth. Since 1945, there's only been one year in our nation where we haven't had a serving soldier that's laid down the ultimate sacrifice for the cause of our nation. And all the names are on the wall. Sometimes it spikes, of course, Falklands 1982. The Afghanistan, Kuwaiti, Iraqi crisis take their huge toll. But there's an empty part to the war. And when I went there once, the Spirit of God seemed to speak to me so clearly about the empty war. Names that are yet to be placed upon it, sadly, because of the ultimate sacrifice in serving our nation. And I felt the Spirit of God said to me, I wonder how many people in the church of Jesus Christ are ready to put their name on my empty wall. And I want to encourage us this morning, friends, to say that if you have never become a believer, the sacrifice has been paid for you. Why don't you step into it this morning, and then instead of living for yourself, really find the joy and blessing of living for him. For those of us that love Jesus this morning, to realize that we're inspired through the word of God, through history, and the present for people that haven't counted the cost but have really been true Jesus followers. And for us to respond to the ministry of these last few weeks and dedicate ourselves as fresh as we come to this wonderful Advent season of reminding ourselves that God invaded the earth in flesh and signed up to be part of the empty wall. I wonder if in 100 and 200 years' time, should Jesus tarry, there'll be a preacher somewhere in our nation that regales about churches and lives like ours for no other reason than a recognition that we didn't push back on the sacrificial life for such always makes out for such always makes its mark 
To not push back on the sacrificial life truly defines us as Jesus followers. Amen. I wonder if we'd.